So this morning, uh, you know we've finished the book of Malachi, I just, uh, I'm going to be sharing a message that really I'm talking about God's presence, going with us, because that's what we need. And I just wanted to show you some pictures in a minute um, of one of the trips me and Joe went on, and we went to Canada. This is a fair while ago. I looked at it, I think it was 2018 now, something like that, or I don't know. A fair while ago. But one of the things that we really wanted to do is go to a place called Lake Louise. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen it, know about it, whatever, but it's a beautiful lake, absolutely blue from the, the waters from the glaciers flowing into it. So it's, it's just this amazing colour. There's a Fairmont hotel there, which is really, really, really expensive and rich, and us people who were just normal people weren't really allowed in there. <laughs> it's like they had security and stuff. We could go to certain places, but being locked out. But one of the dreams that, that Joe definitely had, and one of the things that I would have loved to do, was to canoe on this lake. So we went to Canada in autumn, and beautiful time, leaves, you know, as you know, spectacular colours everywhere. And Canada's just this place, certainly on the... Uh, west coast that is just absolutely gorgeous and you could just drive along you put your camera out the car and go like click and all of a sudden you've got this amazing picture of the mountains and the snow and all that sort of stuff so we thought yeah let's go canoeing on Lake Louise well we we were in Banff we were staying there and overnight it snowed the first night we were there very excited because the snow was like this thick and we were like this is awesome Anyway, so I took photos, you know how it is, you're very excited with, with things that are happening and took photos of the snow. Anyway, the next day the snow was like this thick <laughs> and we were like, wow, this is amazing because it wasn't really winter yet and so we were experiencing something new, like I, it was one of the bucket list things I had was to drive on a snow that had road on it, <laughs> no, a uh, road that had snow on it, not snow that had road on it other way around, and, you know, to scrape the ice off my windscreen in the morning. So I got to do that. How exciting. Now, I'm sure that after a few months of that, it gets very tedious, but for those of us who don't experience snow very often in Darwin, um, it was very exciting. Anyway, the day we went out to Lake Louise, I think it was minus 10, something like that, so we went out there, and, and you'll see in the photos, I, I look fat, but I'm not. It's just 19 layers. <laughs> I'm really skinny. <laughs> Even today, I've got five or six layers on. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we went there and we want to canoe on the lake at minus 15 degrees. So I just want to show you some photos, if we could just get them up. That's me and Joe. Look at us out there in Lake Louise. How much fun. And <laughs> the next one, Joe's going to love this one. Yay! There I am, my Canada mitt. See that maple leaf? They're so warm. If you're ever in a cold place, get mittens. They're amazing. And then the last one, there we are, legendary. I actually look good there, eh? <laughs> Please agree. No. But it was bitterly cold out there, all right? But we just loved it. We enjoyed it. But it's hard to explain just how cold it was, the experience of what it was like. And it was sort of like we looked at the canoes and Joe's like, oh, we don't have to canoe. And I'm like... No, Joe, we do. This is your bucket list thing, you know, canoe on Lake Louise. So we went out 
And I remember taking my, my mittens off to take a photo, and it was like my hands were just like cramped, frozen, almost couldn't push the button. It was so cold. Now, I'm telling you about that for this reason. Um, we can, yeah, thanks, that's good for everyone. <laughs> um, we went through an experience, and I can talk about it today. I can tell you how cold it was out there. I could tell you how, you know, when we were in the, the wind, it was just like freezing and there was water and melting snow, but then frozen snow as well. It was just incredible. But you got no idea what it was like, do you? Like, yeah, some people have been there, experienced before. Let me finish that sentence. You've got no idea what it's like unless you've actually been there and gone through that. Is that true? It's like we can talk to people about Darwin. Oh, it is so humid up there and, you know, you just sweat doing up your shoelaces in the morning in the, in the build-up and people just don't understand what humidity is until they've come and experienced it. And what I wanted to talk about this morning is really for us to, to work, work out and maybe think about have you ever actually experienced Christ? You've heard about him. You've heard about salvation. Have you ever really experienced God's peace? Have you ever experienced God's love? Have you ever experienced his presence? Have you ever experienced everything that he has for you? Or has somehow your, your relationship with God been all about knowing about him, but not ever knowing him? And that was one of the things we looked at in the Ephesians prayers, wasn't it? That... You know, Paul was saying that, that you might know, that you might experience, that you might experience the love of God, that you might experience so that you can understand it. Even though you'll never really understand it fully, at least there's this glimpse of what God's really like, this experience of who he is. And it's such an important thing for us to remember as we walk along in our Christian life that God's presence is paramount. Without God's presence, we can have everything else, but we don't actually have God. We have, I guess, like what we're talking about over the last few weeks is form of godliness, but lacking the power of it. And maybe even worse, we even walk in the power of God, but we never experience the touch of God in our life that actually transforms us into who he wants us to be. So we're going to be looking at um, a passage in Exodus and... This is um, at a time when, you know, the Israelites had come out of Egypt, they'd been freed from slavery, Moses was up on the mountain getting the commandments and then they decided that, you know, what they would do, the people were like, we want something to do, I guess, and they talked to Aaron, Aaron said, get all your gold together, we'll throw it in the fire, and they built a golden calf to worship, and they were dancing around this calf um, and worshipping it. At the very same time that they just experienced this amazing power of God that, that moved them out of slavery into freedom, not fully realised yet, so they were on this journey of freedom, and Moses comes down from the mountain, sees them doing it, and uh, Aaron said something amazing, and this is like an amazing miracle that happened. Aaron said, we don't know what happened, we just threw all the gold into the fire, and this golden calf jumped out. Incredible, Moses! Of course, that's a stupid story. Moses never believed it for a minute. But 
But as a result of this, God got very, very angry, as you can imagine. And he said something to Moses that really ripped Moses' heart apart. So let's read Exodus chapter 33, verses 1 to 3. The Lord said to Moses, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I told them I'll give this land to your descendants and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. Go up to this and that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you. For you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Now, I know I've mentioned this verse before, but I just feel like it's time to mention it again. God said to Moses right here, right now, he says, I'm not going with you. Because of what's happened, because the people have worshipped a false god and not honoured me, I'm just withdrawing. You know, I gave you a promise... And this is a promise that you're going to this land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going with you. I'm sitting on the sidelines for this one. But because I promise, I'm going to send angels before you, and they're going to go and drive out the inhabitants of the land. It's going to be yours. You can keep it. You can, you can actually walk into this promise of the land that I've given you, but I'm not going. That's quite a terrible thing to think, isn't it? You know, I don't know if you've ever had people in your life that are there's just something about them being there. You know, they bring a presence with them. There's, there's something, when they're in the room, you feel better, you feel more secure, you feel safer, you feel more strength in your body, you feel more peace, you feel all these amazing things. And when they leave your life, there's this emptiness that comes. Have you ever felt that? Yeah. People that mean something to you, but they carry something. There's other people that carry a different sort of presence. You know, the people that walk into a room and all of a sudden it's disquiet. All of a sudden, you know when they walk in, there's going to be trouble. They bring in a negative attitude. They bring in criticism. They bring in a flavour that doesn't help at all. Their presence comes with you. But, but God is saying here, the presence that you felt, Moses, and Moses was someone who knew him. It, it talks about Moses being a friend of God. Someone who spoke to him face to face, he said, that's gone. I'm out of here. What a massive statement. And, and what a heartache Moses felt at this. And, and he could see that that was okay, we could get the promise, but we're missing out on the truth of what God is. That God of relationship, that God of, of presence that comes with you. And Moses used to go to the tent of meeting. So after you know, God was talking to him about all of this, there's this place called the tent of meeting. He'd go off and meet with God. And he said, God, I need to know your ways. What is it that I need to know? Touch me. Teach me your ways. What type of person should I be? Moses understood that getting into God's presence at that place began to change who he was. And the prayer was pretty much this, God... The circumstances might not be good. The things that are happening are not great. But sometimes I know it's not the circumstances that need to change. It's my heart. Can you change my heart instead of the circumstances? 
The reason that he could say things like this is because he knew God. He knew that, that, that God would always be with him in everything. When you think about what God wants us to experience, if he wants us to experience his peace, what does that mean? That there has to be turmoil around somewhere, doesn't there? To experience God's peace. Why? Because God's peace is greater than worldly peace. He's saying that even in your hard times, you are going to experience something different to that. It's easy to experience peace in good times because everything's good. But what about when it's hard? What about experiencing his love? Quite often that is in loss. It's not only in that. Like I must say that once you begin to know his love, everything about God's love starts to shine through your life. Like I know I look out sometimes and I'm just like, I can't believe how good you are, God. I can't believe what you've given to me. I can't believe how you've worked in my life all my years. I can't believe you've forgiven my sins. And, and I experience his love that way as well. How are you going to experience God's comfort? You must have been through a bad time to get his comfort. You see, power is great for achieving things. But presence is perfect for soothing your soul. Presence is what we need when we're with God. Jesus talked about it in Matthew, and I don't think we're up to there yet in my slides. We'll have a look at it in a minute. About what it actually means to know God. Exodus 13, 14. Let's have a look at this. We'll read that to 16. Moses again, like he's come to this place, this tent of meeting, he's saying, show me your ways, God. God's already declared to him, I'm not going with you. I'm somewhere else. But Moses understood the importance of God going with them, the importance of his presence. And so he began to get before God and he, and he started to what we call intercede for the nation. That means you're standing in the place of another. So when you're in your prayer life and you've got someone in your life that things need to change, that's called intercession. You stand in the gap for them. You pray for them. You pray for this city. You pray for those that aren't, aren't Christian yet. You pray for your family. You intercede for them because you want God to be in their life. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. That's great. So God's basically saying to Moses, okay, for you, I'm coming. I'll be with you. Imagine that being your prayer. You're like, I just want to know you, God. I want you to be with me. And, and he says, yeah, I'll come with you. Not really good enough for Moses. He wants to actually include the whole crowd here. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you do not go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on earth. What an amazing message that Moses is delivering to God. He's saying, I understand something. That's great to have the power, you know, like we've seen the Red Sea part and you just promised us angels to go before us and they will drive out the inhabitants of the land, we'll get victory, that's all good, that's excellent. But Moses said, what sets us apart from every other people on earth is not the power that is displayed, but your presence with us. 
of course, attached to his presence, his power, but, but he's saying, God, without knowing you, without knowing your touch, without your presence in our life, everything else becomes empty. Everything else becomes meaningless. It is your presence that sets us apart. And we would want that in the church, wouldn't we? That it's not because we can do amazing exploits. It's not because we're so smart. It's not because of all those things. But somehow the church of God ushers in his presence when they gather together, when they meet together, when they dwell together in unity, that God's blessing comes and that is called his presence. It's great to see miracles. I want to see more of them. It's great to see God's power on display, but his power is best displayed when his presence comes and he touches people's lives, touches their hearts, and opens their eyes to truth. The presence of God. And this is one of those things that we should be pursuing as a church. It's very easy to actually... Chase after things that are, that, are, that are easily seen or that display great organization or, or whatever it might be that we've got all our ducks in a row, but God's presence breaks through all of that and our great programs cannot break the hardest heart. It has to be the presence of God, doesn't it? Think about if you are actually saved... What happened to your heart? How did you become a Christian? I don't know about you. Of course, I know some of your stories. And they are amazing. But it was almost as if God himself came into your life and at some stage touched the very deepest part of you that made you understand his love for you. You felt his love. You, you felt something about him. For me, and I don't even know why, but... It, but the, the message that I heard was, don't let people put tickets on you. Don't let them tell you who you are. Let God define who you are. And for some reason, that touched my heart deeply. But I felt that touch of God. Whatever I needed in life right then and there was given to me. Whatever I needed for the future was given to me by God. But it was his presence that touched me. There's been times in worship when it's almost as if there's um, pins and needles, his presence coming. There's been times when, you know, everything is going wrong around me, yet I feel such peace. Trusting in him, his presence dwelling in my life, him walking with me every single step of the way. And it may be this morning that you're going through some stuff and, and you're feeling like the world's against you and you know about Jesus, but actually you've never really felt his touch. You know about Jesus. It's one of the prayers I pray continually over our kids' church. Lord, I pray that they won't just know about you, but they will know you. Lord, that you would fill them from a young age with your Holy Spirit that they would feel your presence. Because I know that as you walk through life without his presence with you, you become the weakest, most um, changeable person that you could ever be. You, you fit into the circumstances around you, but when his presence is with you, you dominate the circumstances in your life. Because you have this strength of a heavenly father walking with you, grabbing hold of you, supporting you, 
and pulling you through his presence. And it's really hard sometimes to explain that to people. It's really hard to explain it doesn't matter about that circumstance. I'm believing in God. Because faith has such different eyes to our natural seeing. It has such different eyes because, you know, the Bible talks about faith being the substance of things we hope for, the things that we see. It talks about God being the God that declares things that aren't as though they were. And he asks us to be the same, to, to look ahead into life and no matter what the circumstance, the difficulty, the situation, that we also are to be like God and declare into the future what we see in faith, not what we see in human hope. What is it in your life right now? You're looking at, you're facing, you're looking at, and we sing those songs about giants all the time, but... You know, um, it was funny, Amelia, the other week in prayer meeting, was talking about a message she heard, and she said, oh, the message in Pastor Neil, it's like, the bigger the giant, the bigger the target, they're easy to see. <laughs> and I was like, that's so true. So true. But do you know God? Do you have him walking with you? Do you feel his presence? Do you know that he is on your side? Do you know that it's not just his power that you hunger after, but his presence? That the very words of Jesus Christ could change your heart and turn your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. That as you speak into the future, knowing he is on your side, that you begin to be like God, that you call the things that are not as though they were. I love it because, you know, even though it's a technical thing, it's not calling the things that are as though they are not. It's calling into being through God's eyes. God, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just open up the next verse there. It's Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And this is just pointing out, Jesus is pointing out the same thing, the very same thing. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter on judgment day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It's exactly what was happening in the desert with the Israelites. They were breaking God's laws and the first one, there shall be no other God but me. You will worship me alone. They'd broken the very first law. They haven't even got to the second one yet. They knew the power of God, but they didn't know his presence and that's a good question to ask yourself today what am I really hungering after am I hungering after God's power because power is influence the people what Jesus is talking about that are up on knocking on the heaven's gates there knocking on heaven's door <laughs> they are Jesus Here's my pass. I performed a miracle. 
here's my pass. I cast out some demons in your name. Here's my pass into heaven. I prophesied. In your name, Jesus, I prophesied. And Jesus is like, who are you? I, I don't know you. In other words, they had bypassed what they were meant to be in, which was relationship with God. They had forgotten that first principle that Jesus died to restore relationship with the Heavenly Father. While it gives us access to power, while it gives us access to some authority in Christ Jesus, that wasn't his point. Because he knows that sinful man will use all those things for their own benefit without really worshipping God. The point of Christ's death was to restore that relationship that was broken through sin. What an amazing, amazing gift to us. Hmm. You see, presence can actually change who you are. Any kids going to high school? You know there's kids in your life that when you're hanging with them, you're not a good person because they bring something with them. And then there's other, other mob that you hang with. You hang with them and you're a different person. You always become like who you worship, who you put up and above and esteem. And for us as Christians, we worship God. As we worship him fully, he becomes reflected in our life presence when you spend time in his presence in his presence is fullness of joy you're like i have no joy have you spent time in his presence have you spent time in his presence yeah moses understood it moses understood it presence changes us and this morning, what I'm, I'm just throwing out to us is, are we seeking him for his sake alone? Are we seeking God to get something? Are we seeking God to get a list of things we need to do? Or are we seeking God just to seek his face? Just to say, God, this morning, I'm holy, singularly seeking after you. I want your presence to fall. I remember telling a story about one of my friends and his girlfriend that came to church in Brisbane with us. And as, as the worship was going on, she was just bawling her eyes out. Totally not a Christian. Totally still not a Christian after the experience, by the way. But she said, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't help crying. Something was just touching my heart. Now, that day she didn't give in, and I hope that down the road she remembers back to that time and becomes a Christian. Maybe she is today. But we can try so hard. We can do our very best effort. 
But we need God. We need his presence. We need to worship him so that we become who we worship as a church. We need him in our lives singularly as well as, as a personal individual. We need to reflect God. We have to have his presence in our life. And that would be our prayer that you might experience the love of God though you'll never be able to understand it fully. This morning, I just want to um, actually get us to stand, if we could. Now, I know that there are people in the congregation at the moment who would go, you know, I just need a touch from God. I just need to feel his presence. I'm in a circumstance, I've got no peace. I need his peace, I need experience. I'm in a situation where I've got no love, I need to experience his love. I've got no joy, I need to experience his joy. If that's you today, what I want you to do is just raise your hand where you are in your seat, be brave, be bold, and we'll get the people around to pray for you, those around you. So if that's you this morning, just lift your hand up. Yep. That's it. Anyone else? Everyone else is cool. Everyone else is good. Don't miss an opportunity. Yeah, keep it up and then the people around, can you please gather around and we're just going to pray. Pray for God's presence to just fill that person. So please gather around. You can see your hand raised up. Be active. Walk. Use your feet. <laughs> That's it. Have you been going through a tough time and a battle and, and you're just like, I just need someone on my side? If you've been going through that, lift your hand up. God wants to do something. That's it. There's another lady here. If a couple could go to her, please. You know, God's here to meet a need. If you need God's presence and you haven't felt it, don't be shy. Come on. Lift your hand up. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you, Father, that your power is above everything else, but your presence is perfect. Lord, I just want to pray right now for these people, Lord, as, as those are laying hands on them, Father God, that you would work through them, that, that you would actually begin to release your comfort your correction, your hope, your peace upon each of these people right now. Lord, I just pray that they would feel your presence, Lord, from their head to their toe, that your Holy Spirit would just flow through their body right now and bring your power. Lord, we pray for breakthrough in their lives, Lord God, in those areas that they're looking at right now where they feel, I just need God. That, Father, if they need peace and turmoil, that they would have it. Lord, if they would need joy in times of heaviness, that the heaviness would lift now in the name of Jesus Christ. I just pray, Lord, that they would believe that you would touch their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, it may be that you've never felt God's presence because you've never given your life to him. You know, Jesus died for you that you might be free of sin that you might actually feel that weight lifted off you. If that's you this morning, I just want to give you the opportunity to pray with me and invite Christ into your life. That is the very first step. 
From the moment you ask him in, he can travel with you. He's around you at the moment. But he wants to be your constant companion at this time. So if that's you this morning, I'm just going to pray a prayer. You pray with me. You ask him in. From this day on, he will be with you. Father God, I'm so sorry I've sinned against you. This morning, I ask that you would come into my life and forgive me. Lord, I thank you that Jesus died for me, that he rose again from the dead for my freedom. And this morning, I give in. Come into my life, forgive me of my sin, restore me into the relationship that I should have with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as we are worshipping this morning, let's really pray for his presence to just fill this place. Honestly, if we want revival, it's not about programs, everything like that. They're good parts of it. And wisdom as he gives that to us. But it's about people in a church having a hunger for God, for seeking after him, because it says those who seek will find, will find that God comes. As we dwell in his presence, that's where the joy begins to come. That's when love begins to flow and we become who God wants us to be. So if I encourage you anything, guys, have fellowship with your Father. Also have fellowship with one another. Like, And this is just observation over years and years that you can come to church, never connect in. Never connect in. But even in that presence, as I said, you know, that, that people rub off on us. You need people around you, Christians who love God, Christians who worship God, Christians who love to give their all to God. Guess what happens? It rubs off on you as well. It's that presence. And then you can gather with other people that don't care. Maybe they're like the Israelites. They grumble and complain at every chance they get. Guess what? That presence rubs off. Presence is such an important thing, and that's why we want God here. Oh, but God's in us. Yes, he is. But there seems to be this other special anointing, we would call it, that comes from heaven that, you know, while he is in you, he also begins to surround you, that the Holy Spirit presence falls on a place that people that don't even know Jesus Christ begin to be touched by the Holy Spirit, that, that they know, like, you know, as Peter was out in the boat and Jesus came towards him and said, can I use your boat? He says, I am just a sinner, right? Because he brought in all this fish and, and Jesus said, lower your nets and he put in all these fish. He realized the goodness of God and he said, get away from me. I'm just a sinner. Jesus didn't preach a message to him that day although I'm sure he preached that message in the boat. But he just saw the goodness of God as an outflow of Jesus. And isn't that what we want in our church? That when people come in, they're just knowing that God's goodness somehow dwells there, that, that it is his kindness that leads people to repentance. Let that be our 